No. What is the most expensive part about owning a rental property? Turnover. Turnover, right? And why is it why is it the most expensive? Because because you're, you're not collecting any income while you also while you still have a lot of expenses and probably additional expenses like repairs that the tenant calls and repairs that the yeah. tenant did not call. So you have a lot of outflow of cash and no income. You're listening to the Faster Freedom Show, hosted by us, Sam Prim and Lucas Walls, investors, entrepreneurs, and best friends. Two millennial Midwesterners who started a real estate side hustle and now own $40 million in rentals without using any of our own money. Now we're two average guys teaching other people how to use real estate investing to create financial freedom and generational wealth. If you're ready to learn how to take control of your future using real estate investments the simple way and have fun while doing it, you're in the right place. Let's start today's show. Hello and welcome to the Faster Freedom Show. My name is Sam. And I'm Lucas. And Lucas, this episode is going to be like you. Risky? Short. Oh, Get I don't it? think I'm that short. Is 6'2 short? You're not 6'2. 100% 6'2. When that I'm 6'5. I'm, I'm not 6'2 with shoes on either. I'm 6'3 <laughs> without shoes. 6'3 um, yes. with shoes. I like to make fun of Lucas because when we're sitting next to each other, I just look like a, like I'm a, like you his look big an brother. Inch taller than I me. I look like I'm your big brother. Which you are. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyways, what we're going to do this episode is we're going to talk about risk, kind of balancing the risk and reward of real estate investing and how to minimize risk and how to maximize profit. Because real estate, I feel like, is a very risk adverse investment. That's the right word, right? Risk adverse? Uh, one of your, yeah, sure. One of your less risky investments that are out there. Correct. So we're going to talk about that. In Depending just, on how you do it. And correct. That's what we're going to talk yep, about. That's what we're going to talk about. So at, at a broader scale, at a macro, investing in real estate is about the least risky thing you can do. In my opinion, in you know, having your job be your sole source of income and your financially freedom path, I think that's extremely risky because right. most people, if not everybody, is just a number on a spreadsheet to their employer. Um, and if anything happens or the somebody in the company makes a bad decision, you can reap the, you know, the but that mistake and you can be fired because somebody in the boardroom made a dumb decision. So anyways, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, how to invest in real estate and be it as, you know, risk-free as possible. So it's kind of a broader topic one, but we are going to try to do a little bit shorter this time because we tend to we tend to go quite the distance on these podcasts sometimes. So if you wouldn't mind sharing this episode with a friend, that share button's super, super easy. It's probably in the bottom right of whatever platform you're listening to us on, and we would appreciate it. It would help us a lot. Um, let's get into the content, and then we'll talk about Prime. So Lucas, um, I think it's important to note that obviously any type of investment is risky. Even have money, as we've seen recently, in your bank account can have some risk potentially. Um, so, you know, there's not really uh, much you can do in an investment side without having some risk. Now, of course, you can keep all your money in cash underneath your mattress, but you're not making any money on that and it's losing money, you're losing value every day. So, if you want to actually substantially create investment income and wealth, you have to take on some kind of risk. That is correct, Sam. Thank you. That is, I mean, it's you're not just crushing a, this episode so far. Well, it's not just investing. I mean, everything has risk to it. Like you said, keeping money in a... Uh, you're risking me not popping in the right, dome right now. Driving to work has risks, you know. Um, uh, keeping money in the bank has a risk. Keeping money under your mattress has a risk. Um, everything has some sort of risk. You just have to always keep the reward in mind. And uh, part of you analyzing that risk is, uh, is there enough reward to take on a, a, a small risk, right? And what what that return or reward is going to be for taking on that risk. So driving to work, like I get to be at work and uh, build the business and be around all of my best friends. 
is that worth a point zero 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 one percent of crashing maybe risk and, and versus hurt. reward yeah it's always risk versus reward and I, and, I, and i i think that is worth it so uh uh we're gonna look more on the investment side of things as we get going through this episode so to, what is the best way to to limit your risk specifically with real estate because that's what we consider ourselves experts in yes we do as do a few other people great well this episode as always is brought to you by prime corporate services check out the show notes below for a free 45 minute console it is free you do not have to enter your credit card we will also set up an llc for you for free and give you free advice on llc formations and business type of questions so check that out all right in general, risk is exposure to loss. That's the simple definition of risk. So um, the risk in real estate investing are there's some external risk. There's the market shifting. There's things that you can't control. There is potentially, this isn't really a risk, just a potential negative effect if you do things wrong. Your credit score being affected mm -hmm. by investing in real estate. Um, there's risk at your property, your tenant falling over and suing you. There, there's risk involved in real estate. We want to not let people think there's not risk, but there's a lot of pretty simple and inexpensive and or free ways to mitigate that risk. I, I agree 100%. Awesome. So there is risk in real estate investing. However, there's risk in everything else as well. So let's talk about, as you mentioned earlier, the risk versus reward. What are the rewards of real estate investing? What is the potential outcome of real estate investing? Yeah, well, it pretty much, you know, goes back to why we why we started. And I, and I think most people that invest in real estate, you know, part time or even some full time don't truly understand and grasp the power of what, uh, including real estate, the right type of real estate into your investment portfolio, what it could do for yourself and your family in the long term, right? So um, some of the rewards in investing in real estate. Um, gosh, uh, how did we get to those rewards or some of the rewards? Let's think about that. Obviously, financial freedom, incredible equity growth. Uh, so the financial freedom can come from from cash flow, right? Uh, incredible equity growth. So uh, if you have a million dollar real estate portfolio uh, and without any debt on it, let's say, that's like having a million dollars worth of stocks. And it's better in my eyes than having a million dollars worth of stocks because of the income that the real estate that we own and that you should own throws off in, in, in the form of rental income. Uh, you rent it out, rent out that real estate, and they pay you a rental amount every single month. So that's that's cash flow. Um, equity growth would be the value of your portfolio. Tax-free cash flow. Tax-free cash your, flow. Your stocks, dividends are not tax-free. Yep. And then also just the, the depreciation, the other tax benefits uh, that, that go along with investing in real estate. And depreciation is one of them to me. Like uh, you own a portfolio that's worth a million dollars, let's say. Um, and that's, you know, depending on what market you're in. But in our market, that's that's 10 houses a lot of times, right? Give or take. I mean, yeah, five to 10 houses, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking five houses. Yeah, Sorry, five say, houses. aggressive, yeah. So if you own a million-dollar real estate portfolio and uh, you're te you get to take depreciation, so uh, divide a million by, for real simple terms here, by 27 and a half years, so you get to uh, lower your taxable income uh, $36,000 a year. So if you're making a hundred grand from that, um, million dollar portfolio, you will only be taxed on $64,000. So, uh, the, the amount you're paying uncle Sam goes down tremendously, uh, um, with, with the use utilization of depreciation. So it's beautiful. Uh, another cool thing about real estate is, 
um, you know, when you, when you when you sell a million dollars worth of stocks, uh, you'll make you'll have to pay capital gains on that profit, and the same thing with real estate. You have to pay capital capital gains on your profit of the real estate you sell if you own it for longer than two years, I mm-hmm. believe, right? Um, but you also have the choice in real estate to execute what's called a 1031 exchange, and you can roll those profits into another real estate investment, uh, a bigger real estate investment that throws off more income and not pay $1 in taxes. So uh, we're not experts on that by any means, but it's just another benefit of, of having a real estate portfolio, one of the rewards of having a real and estate portfolio. And you can portfolio. do a refinance as well, Lucas. Pull of out course. up to 80%. Yeah. You can pull out 800 grand tax-free as well. All right, so... That was kind of a little bit of the more uh, micro. I want to take a macro step out, and then let's talk about ways to mitigate that risk. So in general, I think the rewards of real estate investing, Lucas, are living the life that you've always wanted to live. Yeah. Financial freedom, um, generational wealth, You know, not looking at price tags, doing what you want, when you want, and just being able to do whatever you want. And you know, whenever you want, literally having complete freedom. That's, yeah. that's the top line benefit of real estate investing. And um, I'll let you wrap that up if you'd like. That's yes. what she said. But then I'd like to next talk about Lucas. Let's just keep this simple. Um, it's kind of an open-ended outline. Let's just quickly go over how to mitigate risk wholesaling, how to mitigate yeah. risk fixing and flipping, and how to mitigate risk um, buying rental property. So you wrap that up and then I'll, I'll get into wholesaling. Yeah, I'll just think macro again and like some of the risks that newer invest we talk to newer investors every single day every single week um, and some of the risks that that people are, are, are talking to me about is like you, uh, here's an example I hear this every week um, I don't want to get a call about a tenant's toilet that's clogged in, in the middle of the night or whatever and that stops them that little risk stops that's them crazy. from investing in real estate and creating that life that you've always dreamed of you having that one little thing. You own five rentals. How many times has that happened to you? Well, yeah, it's, it's probably happened a couple times. But but to you personally? It's probably happened a couple times, okay. right? Not to me ever. But. <laughs> um, but the point is, who cares? Yeah. Like, if, if that's what you have to deal with uh, initially, obviously you can put systems and people in place to help you deal with those things. But if that's what it takes, that's the risk to create financial freedom. That's a no-brainer. It's more of an annoyance than a risk anyway. So what about the annoyance of having to only have 12 days of vacation a year, have to email your boss to, um, you know, hey, I'm going to be late because I have a dentist appointment. Like all those other annoyances that come with working for somebody else I think should outweigh. All right. They they should. And I don't know what that block is with with some people. It's crazy to me. Yes, yes. uh, people are crazy. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. So, so, so we'll talk about risk for e- for each of uh, investment segments. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to do this, just to keep it kind of. We broadened it, and I want to leave this with some deliverables. I don't know that people care about that much. Our just take on motivating them on real estate. Maybe they do, but um, we did that a little bit, and let's get into some kind of takeaways. I felt, I felt I think. a little bit spicy there. For did a you? Second. That's yeah. good. It's good to get. We need some spice out of you walls. Woo! All right. Let's go. Paprika, cayenne pepper. There you go, ghost pepper. Ghost pepper. What's that? Reaper, Carolina Reaper sauce. Is that a big one? That's one of the hot peppers these days. Yeah, they make like sauce out of it. Nice. I like it. All right. So wholesaling. So wholesaling. What are the risks? Let's talk about that. Yeah. So wholesaling, if you don't know what that is, I have a ton of content on social media about it, but it is is getting properties, distressed properties under contract and selling them to real estate investors that are going to close on them. It's It's the least risky type of investment if you 
do it the right way. So, you know, in wholesaling in general, I'll get a house under contract to purchase, and then I'll, I'll sell it for 10, 20, 30 grand more than that to an investor. So if you do it the right way and avoiding risk, the main thing is having a contingency in your contract. So if you have a transparent contingency, I mean, the seller knows about it, you get the property under contract to purchase for 150 grand, and you have a contingency in that contract, a two-week contingency, that gives you two weeks to sell that contract. And if you do not sell, and that contingency is in there, you can then legally back out of that contract and you will have zero risk. This is a zero risk strategy if you do it the right way. For sure, and I think doing it the right way is one of the other risks, right? So so to me, there's, there's two risks. So it's getting to the closing table and expected to do a, a double close or assignment with your contract that you're wholesaling and the end buyer doesn't show up, right? So you might not be, if, if you have it in your contract, uh, you might not be financially liable for that, but um, that is someone's life, that, that seller that you have the contract with, uh, someone's life that they might have planned, uh, planned moving expenses and, and planned their whole life around moving that day. And if you aren't able to execute that and don't have, um, I don't know, but regardless, it, it is a risk. And, and maybe, maybe you're not legally tied to it, but just communicating that with the seller is, is just being super transparent and honest what you are doing. Um, if you're going to buy it, rehab it and resell it, you know, you don't have to worry about that. But if you're wholesaling it, it's always, always a question out there. Is, is this in buyer going to show up? So make sure you're selling those contracts to people that you trust, companies that you trust, and that have executed on other closings before for you. So you're not stuck in that position, uh, whether legal or not, to have to go to the seller and be like, hey, we're not closing today. Yeah, you don't want to be a shithead to people and you want to perform. So legally, with a, with a, um, a transparent contingency, you have a zero risk. Now, we close on wholesales all the time because you can't get a sell, you can't get a buyer in or whatever reason you have to close on them. So if you close, your risk tolerance goes up, but how you can avoid that in all investing, but right now specifically wholesaling is buying deeper. If you buy a, a, a house that's worth $200,000 fixed up, these 20 grand of worth of rehab and you buy it for 80 grand and you close on it, your risk is very low that you're not going to make any money. And that, sure. that's the kind of risk here is not making money. So yeah. um, just buying deeper and having a transparent contingency, I think, are very key when it comes to um, avoiding risk wholesaling. Because the upside of wholesaling is working 10, 20 hours a week and making an extra 50 grand a year, 75 grand a year. It's pretty, yep. pretty good upside. Yep, I agree. All right, moving on to fixing and flipping, Lucas. Ooh, so yeah. this is when you buy a property, you close on it. You fix it up and then you sell it for more than you bought it and fix it up for. Yeah, yeah. There's your profit. So what are some some you know bigger picture down to the tactical ways to avoid risk? Let's talk about the risks first. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, the the risk is is definitely financial on the back end. So you buy it too high, you spend more on the rehab. Um, it takes longer than you think, and then uh, you sell you don't sell it for what you think you can sell it, and you literally lose money. Mm -hmm. You are all into a property for $200,000 after buying and fixing up and you sell it for 180, right? Mm -hmm. um, and just for sim simplistic purposes here, you have to bring a check, a $20,000 check to closing to be able to sell that house. And then then your parents disown you and then your wife leaves <laughs> you and you're stuck living underneath a bridge. Right. There's obvious the ways to 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 mitigate that with by by having cash reserves or um, doing um, you know, having other sources of income, a lot, a lot of different ways in that. But that that's that's one of the risks in, in real estate, um, uh, fixing and flipping, no doubt. Um, and markets can change 
fairly quickly with with the, the interest rates. So uh, going into the winter or something, if you got a big project going online and interest rates raise, you might have to sell that for lower than you thought. But um, to me, it's a bigger risk to hold on to that thing and think that it's going to sell for higher We've someday down the road. So uh, it's better just to pull off the Band-Aid, take a small loss, and move on and start fresh with a new project. Love it. So ways to avoid some of the risk is to just be super conservative in your initial numbers. You're going to buy the property by looking at what it's worth fixed up, minusing out the repairs. So be conservative on your repairs. That's going to help you avoid a lot of risk. If you ran your numbers and you're, you're really confident that you're going to be all in for forty grand not the end of the world for you to put 45 grand in there just to leave yourself some fluff and if you think it's worth 210 grand it's not the end of the world to put your 200,000 so just being more conservative in your initial underwriting will mitigate a crap ton of risk in my opinion i love it and uh Make sure you organize and have that project ready to kick off so it goes as smooth as possible, right? Have your contractors lined up, have all your, your money lined up. So because the longer your project takes, the more over, over budget you're going to be. So speed is key uh, when rehabbing uh, a house. I don't care if it's a $10,000 rehab or a $200,000 rehab. Get that done as quick as possible. As on, but without sacrificing quality so you can buy it, rehab it, and resell it without the market changing too much on you. And, uh, yeah. Why don't you dig into that a little bit more? Um, I was hoping you were going to bring that up. If you were not, I was. Part of the risk is picking the right project. Um, if you pick yeah. a project that needs $200,000 worth of rehab, if you're experienced or not, your risk uh, just went up a lot. If you pick a cosmetic rehab that needs twenty five grand, you can be in and out in five weeks, yeah. your risk goes way down, assuming you bought both, both correctly. So picking the right in and out quick cosmetic type rehab mitigates a lot of risk, in my opinion. Yeah, know your skill set, for yep. sure. Mm -hmm. Some people are are made and have the context to handle those those big remodels that are complete guts and moving walls and stuff but but most aren't uh and there are more risk the more the more you're putting more money you're putting into the construction the more risk there is in a project exactly all right so that's kind of ways to mitigate risk on fixing and flipping it's going to be you know being conservative your numbers buying right um you know communicating pushing the project along properly but then also buying the right type of project with the right type of work to to kind of fit your skill set all right. The third one, um, rental properties, which is our favorite. Mm -hmm. We love rental properties. Yeah. So you, you say this all the time. So uh, what is the most expensive Probably really, part? Probably really profound then. No. What is the most expensive part about owning a rental property? Turnover. Turnover, right? Why is it? Why is it the most expensive? Because because you're, you're not collecting any income while you also while you still have a lot of expenses and probably additional expenses like repairs that the tenant calls and repairs that the yeah. tenant did not call. So you have a lot of outflow of cash and no income. So to limit um, the times you turn over a property or to increase the length of stay per person and to limit the repairs that are needed after the tenant moves out. What is most important thing to do? Getting a good tenant and spending some extra time approving a qualified communicative tenant that you have a relationship with. Firm but fair, I've been saying recently. Um, you need to be fair to them, but you also need to be you need to be kind of firm. So being firm but fair and picking the right tenant is huge. So the risk, I kind of take a little bit of a step back, but the risk in owning rental properties are, you know, not having a tenant, not collecting rent, having them moving out, having them trash the property. There are more risk involved, but you can mitigate almost all of that. We're not going to get into the rehabbing. We just kind of talked about that because when you rehab, you either sell it or refinance, keep it as a rental. So that was kind of the last step. But this is basically just owning the property long term. Your risks are the tenant. That 
that's your pretty much only risk there because you're going to have insurance on the property or, or if you don't have insurance on the property that mitigates some risk there have an llc to yeah. legally protect you and your personal assets so which prime will set it for you for free show notes below yeah. um boom but just approving the right tenant is just going to mitigate so much risk yeah and just a lot of headaches for you too um um so yeah, whether that's you get really, really good at that part, um, it's, it's extremely important for you know, the, the cash flowing of your portfolio or um, hire an excellent property management company that, that is already really good at that. They can help you find a great tenant and when they, they do leave, can get that rental property spruced up quickly and not sit vacant for a long time so you can get it back on the rental market and find another new great tenant. Um, also a risk with um, owning, owning rental property or a rental property is, you know, when when you own a small amount uh, and it becomes vacant, say say you own four and one becomes vacant, you know, you're at a 75 percent um Occupancy. That's 25% vacancy. And there's there's not many portfolios out there in this world, unless they're completely paid off, that would still cash flow at 75% occupancy. So uh, the more you get, the the, the, the limited, quick, I, we kind of say the, your risk the quicker you get to ten, the, the, the I, more. I think ten is that number as well. You could have a you could have a vacancy and, and be a ninety percent and be fine. Um, so I, I think that you know having two, having three, having four can can be dangerous. And the quicker you can get up to that ten with the right properties is will help you mitigate that risk. Yeah. So in general, there's risk in everything you do, including driving to work every day, as Lucas mentioned earlier. There's risk in every investment. Now, you know the risk of life and death versus the risk of you know just not having as much money is different for everybody but in general if you want more out of life which i think is why you're listening to this podcast why you're hopefully following us on social media is you want more and you have to do certain things and you have to take quote unquote more risk but there are ways to mitigate risk and real estate just allows so much flexibility so many ways to mitigate that risk if you know what you're doing and if you're listening to yeah. the right people that it's worth it do it yeah, and I always like to play a game like I play best case and worst case scenario with with almost every investment. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen with this investment? Right? Mm -hmm. It's not burned down because we have insurance mm -hmm. and we could cash out and maybe even make money on that. Um, but I don't even know what the worst thing is. Uh, but regardless, you maybe you lose twenty grand or. Uh, um, um, I don't know. You can't make your house payment. And even if you and your family have to move or something, is that the, is that the worst thing in the world that can happen? No, you don't want to freaking do that. But you're still alive. You still got another chance to fight again. And to me, that the the and the, and the, whatever, that's the worst case. It might be a little crazy, right? <laughs> but uh, it is. I mean, it but, happens to point zero 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 one percent of people that try it, maybe. Right, but I think it it'll help you your mindset by going through that worst case, but then quickly shift what is the best case scenario here. And probably neither of those things will happen. <laughs> it'll be somewhere in the middle, but it'll it'll help you weigh risk versus reward, uh, and uh, help allow you to make a informed decision and uh, get you over that hump and out of that analysis paralysis. The standard deviation to what the good thing versus the bad side is, is much higher. That's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, the yeah. The bell curve and the dots on the bell curve for like positives versus negative, there's way more dots on the positive right. side than the negative side. There's just way more good things that can happen than bad things. It's a numbers game. I was looking at the home price chart recently, Lucas, and um, in general, like looking at the history of it, there, I, did, I didn't do the math. We probably should. 
they're like 70% of the time it's going up. Now it does go down 30% of the time. Let's just make up numbers. But if you just to close your eyes and stick your finger on the um, house price chart, invest, you know, investing chart, there's a very likely chance that over the next few years, it's going to go up way more likely than yeah. it's going to go down. It still could go down. You could, you could close your eyes and hit 08, right? And yeah. then it's going to go down for a little bit. It's not the end of the world, but more than likely when you pick on it, it's going to go up for a substantial period of time before yep. it goes down. Yep. That's, I need to do some more content on that because I think that's a good way to look at it. It's a great way to look at it. I mean, yeah, we could. It's going to go up. It's going to go up. It's uh, housing. Uh, the price of houses go up pretty much mirror inflation to mm -hmm. a degree, right? And our government and the Federal Reserve want to see inflation. Not this <laughs> right. much, but they want to see some. Right. They're obviously trying to take, but they, they structure their policies, their monetary policies in order to see that, that 2%, that 3% inflation. And, and over the, the course of a 20 year period, that's probably what your rental property that you own is going to increase in value on a two or 3% uh, annually com compounded. Love it. All right. Okay. Let's get into the net worth game walls. This will be a fun one. You see this one? You see who's on this one? We got oh. a Friends theme. Oh, that's so fun. The show Friends. The show Friends. The show Friends theme. Yeah. What we're going to do is net worth game. Luke and I used to play in college. We guessed people's net worth. There was drinking involved. There's not drinking involved now. So let's pick. Who do you, how do you, how much do you think Jennifer Aniston's net worth is, Lucas? So this is the I, show Friends. So we're, are we going to do all three? Yep. So we're going to do, you don't have to Jennifer do Aniston, Courtney Cox, and Lisa Kudrow, mm -hmm. otherwise known as Rachel. Um, Monica, Monica, and Phoebe. Yes. So um, I, I think Jennifer is the most. Is I the think. Top. Yeah. Probably then, then Courtney, and then I would guess Lisa. But uh, yeah, Jennifer Aniston's been at the a, game a for a special while. person for a long time. She's beautiful. Yeah. Woman. She and she's just they're all beautiful, super talented actually. and like pretty cool and like real life tools too. So uh, um, awesome. So let's go start with Jennifer Aniston. I'm gonna go with. Mm, 80 million. It's a big number. I'm going to go with 55 million. All right. I let's, like it. Let's see what it is. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston net worth. Oh my gosh. Uh, 300 <laughs> million. We were way off. 320 million. You freaking go, girl. Holy yeah. crap. Um, so we. Uh, I guess she's been in a lot of movies. I guess we just, yeah, that's incredible. Go girlfriend. And just like imagine like the that's a, royal. That's a third of a billion dollars. Imagine like the royalties from. From friends too, right? Like probably still getting paid. She probably makes like a hundred grand a month from friends. I bet it's more than that. That's awesome. I bet it's like a million a month from friends. I'll just keep going on them. I got I got Courtney Cox okay. already keyed up, ready to rock and roll. So if, what is she? What is what was hers? Three hundred. Let's say three hundred. Yeah. So maybe like friends. We'll see how big of a part Friends is mm -hmm. right now to that, right? Because uh, Courtney Cox has been in a few movies, but not like Jennifer. Not even close. Um, Scream. Hello, she was in Scream. That's true. She crushed that. Mm -hmm. um, hello, Sydney. <laughs> Sorry. Guess. Um, I'm going to go. Oh, I guess first because you guessed first okay, last time. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm going to say $100 million. I'm going to go $80 million again. Okay. All right. <laughs> we are bad with the friends. One to 50. I was closer than you. 150, 160, 150. Good job. I mean, half as much as so I guess we, that makes sense. We just sense. need to bump up our friends. Yeah, like, whatever we think we were going to just like. So Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow. Phoebe. I heard her IQ is like something like she's like one of the smartest people in Hollywood. Like her IQ is like crazy high. Did you know that? I did not. I can look this one up too, though. Uh, I got her you got already her? up. Look up her, look up her IQ. Okay. I will. <laughs> you go. Um, we're one and one. Lisa Kudrow. 
60 million. I'm going to go 85 million. Okay. Lisa Kudrow, net worth 130 Gosh, million. Friends just screwed us. Like, I don't think we understood. Yeah, the popularity none of them of were in show. friends. Yeah. Um, wow. So, Unbelievable numbers from people that are in very few movies. I guess I know movies are just part of it, but I think that's a lot. Where you a lot ready for this? This is going to shock you. Let's go through real quickly the, the, the six friends' net worths. Ready for it? Let's do it. Jennifer Anson, 300, Courtney Cox, 150, Matthew Perry, 120, David Schwimmer, 100, Lisa Crudeau, 90, Matt LeBlanc, 80. That's where they're showing these. The That's girls kick the guys' butts. Well, yeah, they should. Well, yeah. I can see why. Yes, that's awesome. So anyways, if you enjoyed this show, please share this with a friend and like and review and rate. You don't have to, but... A lot cooler if you did. Uh, you're up one walls on our one. throw the outline into the trash can game. All right. Oh, gosh, I hate Swish. it when... Got to just make sure it's going to flow right. All right, ready? Maybe trash. Oh, wow. When I'm, I'm down one. I just moved down the mic two. out of the way. No, I'm down and For one. the moment, you were I'm down, down two. One. This will be down one. that twisted. <laughs> Ringer. Got it. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you got some major value from our conversation. If you love what you learn, make sure you like, rate, review the show, and help us spread the word by telling a friend. If you'd like to learn more about working with me inside one of my programs, we'll have those links in the show notes, along with all our social media handles, so you connect with us there for free. If there's a real estate question you'd like us to answer, feel free to send us a message and we'll cover it in an upcoming show.